right. Well, Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you that you are using it to transform people's lives. Father, you are speaking words in due season to people through these messages. And we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you have purposed in your heart to take us on this incredible journey into the fullness of who you are, of learning who you are. We are on this journey, God, to experience everything that it means to live in union with you. We are on a journey, Father, to renew our minds and to experience your healing power in our hearts and in our relationships and in our bodies, God. We are on a journey, Father, to manifest heaven on earth. We are on a journey, Lord, to think like you and agree with heaven. And so we're just saying yes to every bit of what you want to do through this podcast tonight, Lord. You are, you're doing something specific in every single listener. You are causing them to triumph and you are conforming them to the image of Jesus. You are calling them to agree with who you've created them, recreated them in Christ to be. You are bringing us all, Father, to a place of rest. A rest in what Jesus has done, what he has accomplished, and a rest where we really do know, Father, in the deepest parts of our hearts, in the deepest part of our knowers, God, that it truly is finished. And so tonight, I just ask you to lead and guide us uh, further along on this journey, Father. Uh, Manifest your goodness to us and teach us what you are wanting us to understand tonight. And we just give you thanks. We give you glory for it in the name of Jesus. Awesome. Well, first of all, I just want to just, I just want to thank you guys for continuing to give me feedback on these podcasts. I'm so encouraged by just the emails and the Facebook messages and just everything that I've been hearing from people about these podcasts and about really the things that I'm sharing. Uh, I know that, I know that it's deep waters that we're swimming in. And I know that it is a specific, I think there's times in our lives where God leads us to particular messages or particular teachers uh, for different reasons. I mean, I remember when, <laughs> you know, I was just a brand new believer, and I should say brand new believer, brand new charismatic believer. I'd just recently been filled with the Holy Spirit. I just really had never heard the true gospel. I knew nothing about my authority, you know, in Christ. I knew nothing about grace. Uh, and I just remember that, man, I sat, sat under Joyce Meyer's teaching. 
I went to conferences. I probably went to five conferences in a year in that first year, maybe more. You know, it was like I just couldn't eat enough of what Mama Joyce was teaching me. It was literally just like that. It was like I had a new mom in the, in the kingdom, and she was, she was spoon-feeding me the truth. And I will tell you, that, that was a, a radical year of transformation for me. I just remember it, it just totally radically changed my life. You know, and then there was another season that I kind of went into, and it was kind of like it was all about the supernatural, man. I just remember I was just like eating up things about supernatural healing and, and uh, signs and wonders. And, you know, at that time I was just like, you know, straight up on the streets, just ministering to the crackheads on the south side of Chicago and homeless people. I was just, you know, power, 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 power. And it was just, it was awesome. And I'll never forget, you know, the, the ministries that poured into me in those times when I was learning about uh, signs and wonders and the supernatural. And I guess what I'm sharing with you is that <laughs> we are, we really are on a journey. We are in a journey to think with the mind of Christ and get into agreement with the mind of God. And what I mean by that is we're in a, on a journey to really understand and embrace what it means to be in Christ and what it means to be a citizen of heaven and what it means to uh, live in the kingdom and be translated from the kingdom of darkness and to experience the victory that Jesus you know, won on the cross. Like we're on this journey to experience and manifest more of the truth in our lives. Can, you know, and I, just say amen with me on the podcast, right? If, if that's, if, that, if you agree that we're on this journey to experience more truth. And um, there is a very powerful uh, scripture that I'll go to that I know that we've heard uh, before, but uh, I feel like, I feel like sometimes I'm just stuck in the book of John, but I, I love the book of John. There is so much, speaking of truth, there's so much truth in the book of John, but in John 8.32, I want to read this scripture to you. And I, I, I'll read it in a couple different translations. But John 8.32, let me, let me actually go to 8.31 first. We'll go to 8.31 through 32. It says this. It says, he's talking to the Jews. And in the NIV, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Okay, let me, let me read it in the, in the Passion Translation because, you know, I'm obsessed with the Passion Translation. But it says this in the Passion Translation. And I'll just start again in 31. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. And so, you know, I started out just saying that, you know, I, I've been on this journey and I know that you have too. And I know, here's the thing. I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you're in a particular place in your journey. Uh, I believe that God connects people to the gifts in the body of Christ, uh, First of all, as it, you know, he sets the member in the body as it pleases him, but he knows how to, he knows what ails us <laughs> and he knows how to get us the truth that is going to set us free. 
And years ago, I, I've shared this in the past. If you've been, you know, listening to my teaching for very long, you've probably heard me tell the story. But, you know, when I was first baptized with the Holy Spirit, you know, I never, I mean, I journaled, you know, because I've been in therapy throughout my 20s. So I learned to journal my emotions. I remember I had this feeling wheel and you had to identify your feelings. And it was exhausting, honestly. But I'd, I'd kind of developed this, this, you know, practice of journaling, which was good because it connected me to my inner world and to my heart. And that was very healthy. Uh, but I, I didn't, I mean, I would journal my prayers. I remember a lot. So I did just a lot of talking. I did the talking in my journal, <laughs> you know, and I never really learned to hear God, uh, you know, or I didn't know if I believed I could hear God. I, I didn't have teaching that I, I should hear God. I didn't know this was a normal thing. I didn't know you should cultivate this. And so, I mean, I just started, you know, like most of us start, unless you grew up with this kind of uh, understanding. And the bottom line is, is when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, was really seeking uh, my prayer language and, and speaking in tongues. And, and if that's not something, if that's not a part of your life, um, please reach out to the ministry at info at com, and we will get someone in connection and in, in contact with you that can pray with you and, and help you understand the importance of that gift in your life. But Without going into that, I'll just say that once I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, you know, it says that you, know, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I, I remember I, I heard, I started hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And this is the first thing that I really re- know that I know that I know I heard God speak. And it was a combination of me hearing something and then like a little mental image popping into my imagination. And here's what he said. He said, you've got more problems in a math book. And then he followed that up by saying, and you can't solve them all at once. And the beautiful thing about the way we think, especially when you've kind of, uh, when you're more in tune with that, is that we really do think in pictures. It's kind of like when you read a book, you know, you can just totally escape <laughs> in the book. I mean, the next thing you know, you can be over in, you know, Scotland in the, on the, the misty coast with the, the cliffs and the crashing waves because the book is describing that scene. And so it was very easy for me when he said, you've got more problems than a math book. I mean, I just kind of, you know, instantaneously visualized, yeah, a math book is full of problems and you have to actually solve one at a time. You can't just like, you know snap your fingers and the whole math book is is filled out and all the problems are solved. So that made a lot of sense to me. But he also then just kind of did this other picture that flashed into my head. And and it was a picture of a rubber band ball. And I don't know if you've ever been to like an office supply store or something and they have these, you know, you you can buy rubber bands. They are not necessarily all wrapped in a ball, but I I really need to find one of those. Don't don't 5,000 people mail me one, but I I do need to get one and keep it on my desk as a really good reminder, I feel like, is a <laughs> because it was very significant in the sense that I didn't know this and I don't even know if this is actually true, but I saw this in my imagination. I saw this rubber band ball. And in the core of that rubber band ball was me. And I, you know, it was like this hard little rubber ball in the middle. And then there were all these rubber bands wrapped around that thing. So the ball was, you know, probably maybe three or four times, maybe 10 times the size of that little ball in the middle. And then the idea was, is, you know, you take off those rubber bands one at a time. And then eventually you'll, you know, run out of rubber bands and you'll get down to the core. Well, what I knew was... And I just knew this, again, just by the Holy Spirit. It's like I just had a knowing. I saw it, and I immediately knew what I was looking at. And what it was a picture of is that I was this little core in the middle of it, 
And all of these rubber bands had been wrapped around me, and every one of those rubber bands represented a lie. And I, by the way, at the center of that thing, (laughs) was the real me. And so there had been all of these lies wrapped around, I want to say it this way, who I really was, my true identity. And when I say who I really am and my true identity, you know, I've been talking about identity really all year, but I want to say it this way. It is not just the, it is absolutely, but it is not just the, my real identity in Christ. Okay. Is absolutely those things in a sense, meaning what I mean by that is it is, you know, when we talk about who you are in Christ, I mean, I don't know if you've gone through a phase of this, but I know I did and I needed to on my journey into knowing the truth and being set free. You know, probably some of those rubber bands that had to come off of me was just literally understanding my identity in Christ, right? And so I had this one-page kind of declaration page that was all scriptures, and it was called at the top of it, Who I Am in Christ, right? And so it'd be like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then in parentheses, you say second. Corinthians 5.21, right? So we'd have the scripture reference for it, right? Uh, I am holy and blameless, right? Ephesians 1, and then like the scripture reference. And so it literally had a whole bullet point list of who I am in Christ. And I'll tell you, even though I haven't necessarily got up every day and gone through that list, there was a season when I got up every single day and I went through that list in the morning and I went through that list at night. And Sometimes I think as believers, we might just need to keep that list <laughs> because we, it's really easy to forget just the basics of who we are in Christ uh, because we, we relate to ourselves and our identity kind of, we have a habit of, of who we think we are. We have a self-image. And why am I sharing this? Because when, when the Lord said that you've got more problems than a math book and you can't solve them all at once, he, when he showed me that rubber band ball, he said, I know how you got trapped in there. (laughs) I know. And you know, the thing about those rubber band balls is there's an order in which you have to remove those rubber bands. Like you can't get down to like rubber band number 300 without going through rubber band one through 299. Uh, I think a way of thinking of it is like a logic tree (laughs) or something. You know, it's just like these lies build upon lies. And I'm sharing that to say, I want to go back to what I was saying about just, um, you know, before I talked, before I was talking about just this, this process of, you know, knowing your true identity, it's, we are in the process of being revealed. And when I say that, I mean, We aren't becoming something we're not. (laughs) We are unbecoming everything we're not. So there is a shedding of things that, a detox, if you will, and a a process of uh, learning the truth and embracing the truth that when we take that on as our journey in life to embrace the truth and to know the truth and to go deeper into the truth, then 
we experience more freedom. I said this in a, in a, freedom, in a, in a recent podcast. I talked about like, you know, the kingdom and, and what Jesus accomplished on the cross is, is a lot like the Emancipation Proclamation that happened with Abraham Lincoln, right? There was a, a law signed, right, <laughs> after, you know, after the Civil War where slavery was outlawed in the United States and African-Americans were set free. They were no longer slaves. But the truth is that just because they had legally been set free, it did not mean that culturally they were free, and it did not mean that in their own mindsets they were free. And so that was decades. And I mean, come on, the 60s is when segregation started to happen in the South. So we're talking centuries, you know, or however long that was between Abraham Lincoln and the 60s. I don't have my history book here in front of me. But the point is, it, was, it wasn't an automatic thing. Because slavery is not just a external condition. It's a mental condition. And we saw that again in the Israelites when they came out of bondage in Egypt. I mean, they, they were still in bondage in their minds. You know, we've heard the story about the elephant, right? That you just tie up to a stake and you leave it there for a while. And pretty soon you can remove the, the tie from around the elephant's ankle. And he's been trained to think that he's still tied to the stake. And he will not move even though there is no longer anything holding him to that stake. And so why am I sharing this? I'm saying that because truth has got to be experiential. Freedom, let me say that this way rather. Freedom has got to be experiential. It's not enough to have your real identity be on some declaration page. It's not enough for you to, uh, you know, hear the gospel. It is meant to be a reality that is experienced. And we are not only on this journey, uh, you know, to experience more freedom, but I'll tell you, the way that that comes is that we really have to know more truth. And there is a, an upside-down quality to the kingdom that... I mean, it, we've been so programmed with the world system that when we are confronted with this reality, it's so simple that it seems complicated. Because we have been trained in a system of doing to be. We have been trained in a system that if you do X, then you will be Y. You know, and if you do A, then you will be B. But the, in the kingdom, that is, you don't do to be. Right? You believe to be. And I'm sharing all this because, you know, at last podcast, you know, I got a lot of really positive feedback. about it. If you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and listen to Braving the Wilderness. And I wanted to piggyback off of that one in tonight's podcast. I'm actually going to call tonight's podcast Arriving Home. Because we are, what are we braving the wilderness? Where are we braving the wilderness to go? 
right? We're braving the wilderness to go home. In the story of the Israelites, home was this promised land, right? It was this physical geography that they were going to possess. But guess what? It was going to be their home. They were going to home, uh, their homeland. I mean, think about it. For centuries now and however long, the Israelites, have, have, they're, they're arguing over land in the Middle East, homeland. This thing about arriving home is a really, really big deal. And I'm going somewhere with this because ultimately, as you are experiencing more freedom and you're solving all the problems in your math book, guess what? I'm not the only one that's got a math book of problems. Um, You are heading to this place of becoming you. Let me just say this a different way. Home is living inside of you. It is slipping on who you really are, embracing who you really are. In Christ, yes, but also in all of the beautiful intricacies and complexities and unique things that you being in Christ is different than everybody else who's in Christ. So you being, there is a generic aspect (laughs) to all of us new creations in the fact that we all live in union with God and that we are all new creations because we've been recreated inside of a guy named Jesus Christ. But we are also unique in who God formed and shaped and dreamed us up to be. We all are unique expressions of God's glory. And arriving home is coming into full agreement with what it means for you to be you inside of Christ. I think this, you know, I think when, when, when in Romans 8, when it talks about, and I'll just head over there really quick so we can read what the scriptures actually say. But in Romans 8, when it talks about that we're being conformed to the image of Christ, let me just go down here. Verse 28, it, in Romans 8, it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. You know, and I just want to stop there for a second because that is a very powerful scripture that's going to tie into something I'm going to say in a little bit. So let me just read it one more time. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his uh, designed purpose. Verse 29, it says, For he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning 
to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined, verse 30, our destiny ahead of time, he calls us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. I'll tell you. Now, these are the scriptures, by the way, that are leading up to the scriptures that I talked about in the last podcast. And if you remember, I was talking about who can accuse us. Right? You're braving the wilderness. It was the wilderness of sin. It was all about accusations and how there are no accusations when you're in Christ. But I, this, this one is, this one I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that we are headed into a revelation of what it means to be a son in the sun. And that, you know, cause this oneness does not absorb your individuality. It perfects your individuality. I'm going to say that again because I've never said it before. (laughs) But I believe it's by the Spirit of God. Your union with God, your oneness with God does not absorb or dissolve your individuality. It perfects your individuality. And... The majority of us, and I talked about this in the last podcast, I talked about how how that whole vision came out of God basically talking to me about my relationship with myself. And so what I'm going to say here is that the majority of us have not embraced ourselves have not embraced our unique individuality and perfection in Christ, our unique perfection in Christ. Most of us have trouble even liking ourselves. I'm not sure that we would admit that or say that, but you can look around in the way that we treat each other and see the root is actually in the fact that we don't love ourselves. How do I know that? Because the foundation for loving others is loving and accepting ourselves. The greatest commandment Jesus said was, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. And some say thy strength, some translations say thy strength. And then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we have been so focused on love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. And sometimes I think it actually is easier, some, you know, to love your neighbor in certain circumstances. But when it's just you and you and you sitting with just you, and your inner world and your own thought life 
and your own opinions about things. And, and you're really not, you know, allowing yourself to, to buffer with Netflix or, you know, get distracted by all the gazillion things that can distract us, the news and politics and whatever celebrity is dating whatever celebrity or whatever it is. And it's just you at the end of the day, just you and you and you and you. <laughs> um, that's really where the rubber meets the road. And, you know, for us women, some of us men too, us men, some of men too. I mean, you'll, you'll know it when you do things like go shopping. And you're standing there in the dressing room. And you're trying on new clothes. Or for those of us that are getting older, you'll, you'll, you'll notice it on your birthday. Or something. There's just, if there's clues in your life about how much you are embracing yourself. And I don't mean this in a selfish way. I'm not talking about being self-centered. I'm being about, I'm talking about self-acceptance. I'm talking about loving yourself the way that you are loved by the Lord. I mean, he, he says in the scripture I just read, we are his lovers. God is madly in love with us. And we don't even like ourselves. And it's a problem. It's a problem. Your personal wholeness is about getting set free from the lies about who you are so that you can feel about yourself the way God feels about you and get it settled. Get the issue settled so that you can actually be a conduit of his love for others. Because until that's settled, your motives are going to be off. Your relationship with external things is going to be off. You are going to look to external things to fulfill you. You are going to have a, a relationship with performance, with, with money, with children, with romance, with whatever, you name it, because you're looking for something outside of you to make you okay. But when you start to really settle into your own skin and you start to accept yourself because you're accepted in the beloved, and it is your state of being, and you start to get into agreement with God, really, 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 really get in agreement with God, that you are who he says you are, the result will be that you fall in love with yourself, and you fall in love with your life the way God has fallen in love with you and how God designed your life for good. I really believe that identity is our permission slip into rest. I believe it is this door into self-acceptance and peace that ceases us from striving 
to find something to give us that. So I want to read you something that God gave me. It's probably been, I've been, I don't know, it was, I don't know, three, two journals ago, whatever, however long that was. <laughs> and I titled it The Never-Ending Journey. And it's kind of this poem thing. It's not like I'm a poet. So I knew it was not really mine. I knew when I was kind of writing it down that it was really from the Lord. But I want to read this to you because I feel like it sums up what I'm trying to say tonight. And I talked about this journey that we're on um, to experience more truth but and this journey to experience more freedom. And and. I think this really ties into that whole concept. So let me just read it to you. The never ending journey. What if you never arrive? What if there is no place called satisfied? What if the place you thought you were headed was already inside? How would your approach to life differ if you stopped running and striving to be known? What would you think would happen if you unpacked, settled down, and made me your home? Beloved, you're not on a journey to become someone you're not. You're simply waking up to the reality of all that you've already got. You've arrived. You're home inside of my heart. You can kick off your shoes, relax, and rest. You don't have to lift a finger or do a thing here. You don't have to try to be good or to be the best. You see, there's no need to fight for your rights when you're already free. There's no fight at all when you are safe and secure in me. Stop trying to appease the accuser and silence those who would connive. Quit shadow boxing with a version of yourself who no longer is even alive. When you are focused on the illusion of separation, You'll agree with the accuser and convict yourself of crime. When in reality, all you are doing is wasting precious energy and valuable time. So put down your weapons and stop fighting to win the war. My peace is eternally yours. I am all you need and more. Instead, come inside, drink, dine. And dance with me, my d- dance with me. Enjoy my sweet delight. Enter into my royal chambers. Let's get drunk on love and stay up all night. For beloved, we are on a never ending journey to experience wonder, glory, and have fun to be known fully by each other. 
and explore the mystery of being one. Each and every moment, there is so much more of us to explore. There are infinite pleasures at hand, my bride. So come on, step inside the door. Inside of my heart and in the depths of my love is the place you've been searching for all along. You didn't even have to leave where you were, for it's in me you find the place you belong. I mean, that's worth pausing, rewinding, (laughs) marking the time that it starts, and listening to over and over again. Because, beloved, I do believe that that is the truth that sets us free. I do believe that this, this, this journey, this never-ending journey, but yet not a journey at all, <laughs> is the greatest... most satisfying pursuit that we can pursue in life. And here's what I really wanted to kind of also talk about tonight, and it it kind of goes back to this scripture back in Romans. And I'm going to connect the dots here in just a moment, so just go with me here. But... I want to talk about the way the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to convince us of the truth and to renew our minds and to cause us to agree with him. In verse 28, it says it this way, it says, so that So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Okay, so for some of you, This is the scripture for this season of your life. But let me also say this. This is the scripture that describes all of our lives, our entire life. I'm going to read it again. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. So I want to share with you the way God explained it to me. He said it this way. He said, Shalice, your life is showing up for you. Now, let me also preface this by saying it doesn't mean that everything in my life is circumstantially good. Just because everything works together for good or is woven together 
to fit in God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives doesn't mean that everything that we go through or that we experience is good. But what it does mean is that if we walk through it with the Lord, that it will be for our good. The way I kind of think about explaining this to people is I kind of talk to this in my, you know, Emerge School. I talk about it with my graduates a lot in my coaching calls and stuff. But I kind of joke around with them. And I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. But I said, I wish that I could, could develop kind of like a virtual reality thing, like a, like a virtual reality machine, kind of like they have in that movie, the Diver, you know, Divergent or whatever, if you ever saw that movie or read the book. But the idea is, is that I would have this machine, this virtual reality machine that I could take my students and I could like, I call it like the circumstance simulator. And I could, you know, just fire that sucker up and put them in certain circumstances as a way of honestly training them to become and act like they're who they really are. And the best kind of example I, I, I have of this is like, it, it kind of makes me laugh, but it, it's kind of like Jesus and the disciples. And I, I think about this circumstance. I think about the storm that, that came up when Jesus said, let's cross the other side. And, you know, Jesus is sleeping in the boat and the disciples are freaking out over the storm. So, here we have a circumstance, you know, you could fire it up, a storm on the lake, and you have, you know, Jesus and the way he reacts in that storm, and then you've got the disciples and the way that they react. And we know G the disciples were, like, accusing Jesus that he didn't care, that they were perishing. They also thought they were going to die, right? So what came up in them in the storm was very, very different than what came up in Jesus in the same exact circumstance. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that circumstances reveal what's inside of us. And if our circumstances are working into God's plan for good for us, then I want to propose that your circumstances actually are, if you're still breathing and your heart's still beating, right now, if you're alive, that your circumstances are revealing things about you, they are revealing what you believe. They are revealing what you believe about yourself. They are, really, re, believe, they are revealing what you believe about God. How do I know? Because the disciples thought they were powerless against storms. What do they believe about themselves? We have no power. We are going to die. We have no authority in this situation. We are at the mercy of this storm. That's what they believed about themselves. Storms are more powerful than people. That's what they believed about themselves. What did they believe about God? Well, He'll put you in a storm and he doesn't care. He'll just sleep away while we die. See, circumstances always reveal what your self-image and your theology about God. 
I always use the example of the guys in the wilderness too. I know you've heard me say it a bunch of times, but it's the same situation, right? The spies go and spy out the land. There's giants in the land. They bring back examples of the big fruit. And out of all of the 12 spies, right, the, the majority brought back what is called an evil report. And the evil report was the land is amazing. It is absolutely the way God described it. It is truly perfect. But there's giants in the land. And we are grasshoppers. Right? And it says we're grasshoppers. And they're going to consume us, basically, right? So that circumstance of going into the promised land revealed what was in those. It also revealed what was in Joshua and Caleb's heart. But do you see? It was like the compare and contrast. Like same circumstance, same situation. Joshua and Caleb were like, hey, let's go up at once. We are well able to possess it. So two things. What did they think about themselves? Well, majority thought they were grasshoppers, couldn't do it. And truthfully, there's an accusation about God in that. Because basically, if we can't do this and we're going to be consumed by the giants, then basically God brought us here to kill us. And so the circumstances are totally revealing in your life the lies that you believe about yourself or the truth that you believe about yourself. And the lies that you believe about God or the truth that you believe about God. And if I could just turn off the switch and like, you know, take you out of the circumstances of your life and let you for a moment look at them independently from being in them. If I could take you out of them and say, let's just now come out of the circumstance simulator and look, that was program number 5004. Now see, look, okay, when the storm hit, see what you did? What did you believe there? But here's the problem. We live in our triggers. We live in our reality and our interpretation of the things that we're experiencing without ever considering that it's truly a circumstance simulator. And that when we mature and come into agreement with actually who God says we are, and we have the right image of who God is, we will no longer be a victim or controlled by our circumstances. It doesn't mean that we don't go through them. It just means we overcome them. We possess the promise. We experience the manifestation of God's will in the situation. We stand up and release peace instead of fear. And so, again, I'm going to say it this way. Your life is showing up for you. Now let me connect that back around to what I was, this whole poem and, you know, and the concept of the scripture that we started with that, you know, the, the, when we embrace the truth, we, set, we are set free. Well, I, I'll give one more example. You know, before Peter denied Jesus, he was unaware of what was in his heart. The Lord knew what was in Peter's heart, but Peter didn't know what was in his heart. 
And it was only after Peter walked through that, that particular circumstance and he denied Jesus three times, could he honestly see what he believed. And so what if the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you into all truth so that you can know the truth that sets you free by leading and guiding you into and through the circumstances that you are experiencing right now? What if the truth that sets you free, what if the next rubber band on the rubber band ball that reveals who you are is in the circumstances you're in right now? What if you were just totally guaranteed the victory? Like you're, you're just, you're going to have the victory over whatever the circumstance is, whether it's a physical challenge, whether it's a relational challenge, whether it's a, you know, a death of a loved one, the death of a marriage, the, the bankruptcy, the whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter how tragic it is, how dramatic it is. What if there is a truth in this situation right now? that reveals who you really are and who God really is? What if every detail of your life is being woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into your life? I know this is kind of a radical idea, but it is, when you surrender, when you really, 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 I mean really, really surrender. Like my life is not my own. I've been born for a purpose. I was born to do and be me for a reason. I'm not an accident. I'm not an afterthought. I am a manifestation of God's glory. I am being, how did this say it here? I am destined to share in his likeness. And because I possess his perfect righteousness, I'm co-glorified. Like the glory of the sun is in me. And what if we really embraced this and surrendered completely to it and committed to it? Like the glory of Christ in Shalice, the glory of Shalice in Christ, the, this creation, this masterpiece we're called, right? We're God's masterpieces recreated in Christ for good works, it says. God's masterpiece, his poem, his poem. Let's read that. Oh my gosh, because I just had that poem. <laughs> Let's read that in Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's 2 verse 10. Let me go and just see if my, my sword, let me do my Bible sword drill. Ephesians 2.10 in the Passion Translation says, we have become his poetry. Okay, other translations say his masterpiece. Let me talk about that. I mean, we're talking about 
You are a masterpiece that is greater than any piece of art that hangs in the Louvre. I mean, some of these artwork, these, you know, art pieces, Van Gogh and, I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars people pay for these works of art. Beauty. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of a work of art, really? Enjoyment, pleasure. Uh, beauty. <laughs> or a statement. <laughs> it has a message. It reveals something. I mean, but it's, it's this, it's art for the sake of art. And it says that we are his poetry. And then it says a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. He says, even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. See, this is why I feel like the work that I get to do in Emerge School of Transformation, which is basically to get to help people answer the five, in my opinion, most important questions in the whole planet, which is who is God? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I headed? And how do I get there? Why is that important? Because I can't just surrender to something I don't know. I can't surrender to the, to the reason I was born if I don't know it. I can't surrender to the glory that I carry if I don't know what it is. I can't come into agreement with who God is say, says that I am and, and, and think about myself and love myself the way God loves me and give permission to other people to do the same thing unless I'm clear. But then when you're clear, it's just this, this, this surrendering. It's the surrendering to this, to the manifestation of, of you, of Christ in you. And when you are really, 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 and I just, I know I'm saying it, but when you're really, really, really surrendered to this thing, these scriptures come alive. Why? Because you realize that what I'm talking about is true. That your life is actually showing up for you because you have something to do and the you that you are today probably can't do it. Because at some level, you're still the little ball wrapped in the rubber bands, trapped in a version of your life and a version of yourself that is not look like the masterpiece that you are. Why? Because you don't see yourself the way God does. And until you can see yourself the way God is, God does, you can't be yourself. And if you can't be yourself, then you cannot fulfill the reason that you're here. So life is showing up for you. All things are working together for your good because there is a, an operation happening in the planet right now. There's an operation of heaven happening on the planet right now that's called the manifestation of the sons of God. There is a revealing that is happening. There is an unveiling of God's masterpieces. There is a glorification, meaning <laughs> a visual representation of who God is as you manifest. As you be who he created you to be, God will be seen. 
God will be seen. I read this scripture in last podcast, and I'm going to read it again because it's worth, worth repeating. And it's in Colossians chapter 3, and here's what it says. It's so powerful in the, pan, in the, in the Passion Translation. I'll start with verse 1 because it's just mind-boggling that we are so co-identified with Jesus that he will say something like this. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Like most of us are still relating to ourselves like we're fallen. We don't really, really believe that we were buried. We were, well, we were crucified first. Then we were buried. Then we rose. And then we ascended. You know, we, that just is, first of all, it's, I get it. It's way mind-boggling to really grab that, that we're resurrected I wonder what happens when we really believe that. And then, you know, the other piece of this that's kind of weird is this whole concept of union and oneness and the idea that we're separate, but we're, when I say a separate, I mean that we have an identity that is unique, but it's also in, in God. We're hidden in God, but somehow we're also, it's three in one, right? It's the Trinity. There's three, but there's one. It's marriage. There's a husband and a wife, but they become one. It's, it's, It's separate, but one. It's individual, but one. (laughs) And so it's really like, ooh, my little, our little minds like get blown by this idea. But let me read this. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. It says, this is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Verse 3, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. Now listen to verse 4. This is where I was going with it. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. Let me say it again. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. So this unveiling of the masterpiece called you. is the unveiling of him. And this process of undoing everything that has obscured his glory, your glory, your (laughs) co-glory, co-glorified, co-resurrected, Everything that has obscured that has got to go. So entering into this truth revealing process where you are surrendered to God's plan for your life and surrendered to believing you are who he says you are. 
when you're surrendered to that process. Don't be surprised that your circumstances are crazy. Don't be surprised if for a minute you're living in Trigger City. Because it's got to go. It's got to go. I'm going to say it again. It's got to go. Now, if you're not on page with what I mean by living in Trigger City and what does it mean to be in a trigger, I'll tell you it's one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ today is that people do not understand how our brains work. <laughs> You're like, I don't, you know, what does that mean? It means that we blame the devil, we blame other people, we blame the circumstances, we blame all kinds of things externally for how we feel internally. And the way that you feel internally is based upon what you believe. And it's what you believe is based upon what you've been programmed to believe. And what you were programmed to believe is based upon your life experiences. It's based upon... At a subconscious level, it is you believe things about yourself. You believe things about money. You believe things about marriage. You believe things about your body. You believe things about parenting. You believe things about everything. Everything. You've been making meaning of things and judgments about things your whole life. And... There are specific meanings that you made in your life. Life, I mean, really identity-defining meanings. At, at points in your life, for example, let me just give an example just so you can understand. Um, I didn't make the swim team. This is not, this is, I'm just making this up. I didn't try for the swim team. Never been a good swimmer. But my point is, you didn't make the swim team in sixth grade. And you never tried out for anything ever again. I mean, it could have been cheerleading. It could have been varsity football. It could have been acting. It could have any, I mean, I'm just saying, you put your thing in there, if this is your story. Why? Why, why, why? Why? Why did you never try out for anything ever again? It's because when you didn't make the team, you believed something about yourself. Or if you didn't believe something about yourself, you believed something about the system or the way it works. or You believed something. And you've been walking out that identity since then. And, by the way, you wonder now why when your, you know, your son gets cut from something, all of a sudden... You're in a frenzy and, you know, ready to go down to the school and, you know, cuss out the coach or something. Why? Because it's not just about that circumstance. It's bringing up this unresolved issue and this identity problem and this emotional response that's unresolved in your heart. It's called a trigger. And we think about this like most of us think like, oh, triggers, that's for like PSTD war veterans. 
like, you know, they hear a car backfire and they go jump under the table. No. No, you need to educate yourself on how the human mind works. Because your reaction to circumstances is based on your programming. Your circumstances are triggering your beliefs. That's what happened to the disciples when the storm rose up. Fear was triggered because they had been programmed to believe that storms like this kill people. Whereas Jesus is sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm because he had been programmed to believe he was the son of God who had authority over storms with just a word. Same circumstance, different beliefs about their identities. And the circumstances were not the issue, what they believed was the issue. And the circumstance triggered what they believed. But because the body of Christ runs around, even unaware of their own triggers, they literally, here's what happens in a trigger. You don't even realize you're in it. You know, we, when we do our inner healing, or we call them rapid mind renewal sessions, because inner healing, it, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> I really, you know, it's mind renewal. Um, but in our sessions, you know, we, we have people watch a video before they go into a session. And uh, the example that we use in the video, or at least I, it, maybe I use a different one in the video. I've got tons of examples, but there, I'm going to use this example. Is a husband riding in the, in, in the car with his wife. And they're running late. You married people, I'm sure this never happens, right? But you're running late, and the wife, trying to help, says, Honey, we're late. Don't, the, the, two red lights up, don't forget, make a left. And, you know, the rational response would be, Well, why thank you, dear, for reminding me that we're late. And thank you so much, sweetheart for making sure that I knew where to turn. But instead of that response, this is what the wife gets. Do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I don't know how to drive? How about I pull over right here? Why don't you drive since I'm such an idiot that I can't get, I can't remember the way that we're supposed to go, right? And so this big thing starts in the car. I mean, this is, you know, this is the, can you stop and get directions? Well, all of this, right? Well, here's the reality. The husband goes into one of these sessions, into the rapid mind renewal session, and as they begin to pray, the Holy Spirit brings up a memory. And it's a memory of this little boy when he was six years old. Now, he's a grown man, but he's remembering when he was six years old, his father bought him a bike. And he said, son, get on the bike. I'm going to, you know, teach you how to ride it here. And so when you ride it on down to the end of the driveway, and then when you get to the end of the driveway, you know, turn around, make a left around the garage, and then come back and make a circle. Well, he gets down to the end of the driveway and loses his balance, totally runs into, you know, the side of the garage and bends the spoke, breaks the pedal. And his father starts screaming at him. I, can you do nothing right do you know how long and hard I worked to buy you that bike? And now look at it. No, I'm never buying you another thing. You are an idiot. You, you know, and just start screaming at him. And now all of a sudden, the husband can make the connection. This situation in the car with his wife, reminding him to turn left, is not about the situation in the car or them being late 
or his wife's you know, incessant reminders of whatever he thinks it's about. No, it's about a program. And the current circumstance has just brought it up. And so in this session, guess what? Jesus shows up in the memory. Forgives his dad. Forgives himself. And then Jesus begins to tell him, son, you know what? You're not an idiot. You're my son. You're amazing. And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus just doesn't tell you the truth. He is the truth. And there is something about when God speaks to you that way, especially in that place where you've been programmed to believe something different. And when he speaks in that place, it's transformed. And one of the, those rubber bands start to come off that rubber band ball. And so, you know, a couple weeks later, the husband comes back again. He's like, you know, the, the facilitator's like, well, how's it going with your wife? And he's like, oh, it's going great. He's like, well, have you guys been in the car? She's been giving you directions and stuff. And he's like, well, she always gives me directions. Oh, my gosh, she's a back, such a backseat dri- back driver. And, and, and the facilitator says, well, how is it? I mean, are you? He's like, oh, it's gone. It's gone. So why am I sharing that? Because when you are living in Trigger City or you are being triggered by circumstances or people or situations in your life, our tendency is to think that it's the actual circumstances or person, other person or whatever it is that's the problem. In other words, if I would have talked to the husband before he had that encounter with God and said, you know, what's the situation? He literally would have said, my wife thinks I'm an idiot. She always tells me how to drive. She, she literally, she, he's, he's projecting out of that woundedness. So he, his reality is not even reality. And this is the, this is the human condition. So why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because you are on a journey. You are on a journey to resting in who God's created you to be and experiencing your union with him and your unique place in him and a place of satisfaction and a place of peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. That circumstances can't provide and circumstances cannot change. And so everything that's happening in your circumstances right now are not the problem. What is happening is that you are being upgraded. You are being up-leveled. You are on this journey to experience and embrace the truth so that you can experience freedom. And so I'm hoping that what, tonight, what, what I've talked about tonight, I'm hoping what it's going to produce in your life. Let me talk about the fruit that I would like you to, to consider that is the fruit of this podcast. I believe the fruit is to stop 
processing your life as just simply a participant, like you're in your life. I'm in the circumstances. I'm in the storm. And I believe the fruit is going to be that there's, there's a level of discernment that is now being released in over you that is going to allow you to start to observe your life as well as experience your life. So that you'll be able to kind of take a time out from the circumstances and come outside of the circumstance simulator and now look at it for what it is. Be like, okay, what is actually coming up in me? What is the actual belief that I believe in this circumstance? What is God touching in this particular place in my life? You know, Jesus, when he went, when he told Peter what was about to happen, I love what Jesus said. He said, you know what, Peter, I've prayed for you. That when you have turned, you will strengthen your brethren. And here's what Jesus meant. He says, Peter, I'm going to paraphrase it, but Peter I've prayed for you, and when you've repented, he said turned, but I'm going to say when, he re, when you repent, Peter, you're going, to, you're going to strengthen your brethren. I'm going to pray that you're going to strengthen your brethren. With what? With the revelation that you got in this situation. Because what does it mean to turn? What does it mean to repent? It means to change your mind. When you up-level, Peter, when you get the upgrade from this painful situation, you are going to be in a position to strengthen your brethren. And here's the deal. What was the program? It was fear of man. Peter was afraid to acknowledge that he was with Jesus to a servant girl. And here he was called to preach the gospel How could he fulfill his destiny when he couldn't even preach Jesus to a servant girl? This this caring about other people's power or opinion or whatever that was, he was a slave to that and he could not fulfill his destiny because of it. And so that up level for Peter, first of all, he was totally oblivious to it. He thought he was ready to go die with Jesus. See, that's the thing about what we really believe. Most of the time, we have no idea what we believe until we get in the circumstances. So we live under a deception that, and then even in the circumstances, I mean, trust me, until you get this revelation, you're going to blame your wife, you're going to blame your husband, you're going to blame, you're going to blame everything. Blame God. And what I'm sharing with you is that life is showing up for you. That circumstance in Peter's life where he denied Jesus three times was working together for good. It was a part of God weaving together every detail of Peter's life. 
into the designed purpose for Peter's life. And so I want you also, so the fruit of this is that you're going to be able to kind of step out of your circumstances and start to see, see it for what it is. That's one fruit that I pray for you. The second fruit is that I want you to let go of regret. Ooh, I felt that. I want to sit with that for just a second. Because you becoming you is the goal. And if your rubber band ball had to have certain circumstances in order for the rubber bands to come off, because that was the life journey you had to walk down so that you could know the truth that actually set you free, then stop regretting that. I mean, Peter could have been like, oh, I totally regret. And he, he, he was. I mean, I think it's part of repentance. I mean, he, ter- you know, he acknowledged, you know, I mean, he, he didn't like the fact that he, that he denied Jesus three times. He was not, I'm not saying be happy about your stupidity. But I am saying, get over the fact that we're stupid. And that we are in, we're on God's timetable here. Because here's the other thing the Holy Spirit said to me, when you have more problems than a math book, and we can't solve them all at once. Here's what he said. But I'm going to lead you into freedom and into solving them one by one. He was in charge. You know, that little ball inside of that thing can't set itself free. It actually needs someone to come. First of all, the ball, you know, the ball didn't even get there on its own. How many of you know somebody else put those things on it? <laughs> you know, so this is a work of the hand of God in your life. And so what's your part? Surrender. What's your part? Surrender. What's your part? Surrender. And I'm going to end tonight with a scripture that I, you know, I feel like I, I, I talk about a lot. But the reason I talk about it a lot is because it's like, it's probably the most, become one of the most important scriptures in my life as I pursue the call of God on my life. And I can raise my hand with the best of them and say, goodness knows, I've strived, I have toiled, I have toiled to do me. Because I thought me was someone I was supposed to be.
And honestly, unlearning that has been really, really painful. (laughs) But this scripture has become a real key for me in the sense that, I'll read it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, But here's what it says. I've never acted and I will not in the future act on my own. I listen to the directions of the one who sent me and act on these divine instructions. For this reason, my judgment is always fair, never self-serving. I'm committed to pursuing God's agenda and not my own. Now that's John 5.30 in the voice translation. So what do I want to say about this? I'm talking about surrender. I'm talking about surrender. And let me say this. This is what surrender looks like. It looks like dependency upon God. And it specifically looks like dependency upon God for judgment. It means that we give up believing we can judge what is actually happening. (laughs) It means that it says here that Jesus didn't act on his own. He listened to the father. He listened to the directions and he acted on that. And then he said, because he did that, for this reason, his judgment was fair and not self-serving. He was committed to pursuing God's agenda. And I'm telling you guys, you were per, you are created for a purpose. There is an agenda. God has an agenda for your life. God has an agenda for your family, agenda for your, he has a, and every single thing that you're involved in and connected to, God has an agenda. How do I know? Because he said he's working every detail of your life together for good. It all is connected. There are no coincidences. You're like, well, Shalise, I mean, the enemy comes, yeah, the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's doing. But you know what? He's just doing his job. His job, that's who he is. He's employed by himself. He's self-employed <laughs> in the stealing, killing, and destruction business. Okay? But Jesus said this. He said, the prince of this world is coming for me, but he has nothing in me. He has nothing. He has nothing to attach in me. Let me say it a different way. There is no lie that he can use to control me. I cannot be manipulated by him. I choose to lay my life down. I choose. Jesus surrendered to God's plan. The enemy did not manipulate Jesus or trick Jesus or deceive Jesus into the cross. Jesus surrendered into the will of God. How? By not acting on his own. By listening to the Father and doing what the Father said. And because he listened and did, guess what? His judgment was fair. Meaning it was right. He was able to judge things correctly. Not on his own, but God's judgment of situations, circumstances, and hearts. Why? Because he was committed to pursuing God's agenda. So what does surrender look like? It looks like 
surrendering to what God is doing. It looks like getting on a, getting in agreement with God's agenda and, and hearing and doing. That's what surrender looks like. So that's the other piece of what I'm hoping <laughs> is the fruit of this message. So let me come back to the last scripture for the night, and it's one we've already read, but I want to go back to Romans 8.28 in the Passion Translation, and I'm going to read it one more time. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. In verse 29, it says, For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means that the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So, Father, I just pray that what you have for every listener in this message that they can receive it. They can grab it and that they can assimilate it, Lord, like, like nutrients being absorbed into their body, Father. I just, I pray that there would be a, a nourishment, that it would be, cause I really do know this is, this is some good meat here, God. We had some good steak here tonight. This is not milk, right? But I also know that, you know, we, we're not gonna just binge, binge and purge this thing. We're, we're, we need to, we need to assimilate it. We need to digest it. We need to have it. We need to get beefed up <laughs> by the meat. We need to get, Lord, there is a paradigm shift that I'm preaching in this tonight. And I, I'm just releasing that. And if it takes more than one listen, we'll get, you know, it takes more than one listen. But I'm releasing a different way of living, a way where you believe that your life is showing up for you, that God is working things together for good, even when things look bad. And that there is a purpose in the pain. That there is a way out of Trigger City into Freedom Land. There is a way that we, you are, you are, you are causing us to settle into ourselves. Into who we are in you and who you are in us and to be revealed as you are revealed. And so, Father, I just release that full (laughs) digestion. (laughs) No heartburn, (laughs) no indigestion, no Rolades needed. Just totally assimilated into their hearts, their minds, their bodies, God, at every level. And I just thank you for it now. I praise you for it, and I give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. So, praise God. I I just... um, I just bless you guys, and as always, you know, I encourage you, if these podcasts are blessing you, if God's using them in your life, if he's speaking to you through them, you know what? Partner with us. 
go on over to Shalise.com, you know what, donate, become a monthly partner, and, and empower us to continue partner with us in this message and, and, and get it out to as many people as, as, as possibly we can get it out to. And stand, you know, in that place of partnership, knowing that the fruits of this message, the fruit of this podcast is coming to your account. And then also, as always, if you are being called to do a merge school of transformation, if you are feeling led to that school in a way that is not you, you just know, hey, I'm being prompted. Like, I feel something inside that this is what God has for me. You know what? Just reach out. Email us at info at shalice.com. That's honestly the easiest way to get in touch with us. We can set you up with our team, our enrollment coaches, and talk about, uh, you know, that whole process and the school and how to become a part of that. And other than that, I love you. I bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, I am standing with you for everything that God has in your life uh, because who you are is strategic in the kingdom of God. All righty, bless you.